episode of Connect Ed. I'm Lainey, a member of the TEDx Ohio State University Outreach Committee. My name is Arushi and I'm also a member of the TEDx Ohio State University Outreach Committee. Today we're here with Auditor Michael Stinziano, Auditor of Franklin County, home of Columbus. Before we start discussing the Auditor's anti-red learning campaign, which is the focus of our episode today, we want to get you get to know you a little bit better, Auditor. Can you tell us about your connection to Columbus and the Ohio State University? Sure, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Uh, so my connection's a little unique in that I was born down the street at King & Neal. Uh, so Ohio State's truly been my backyard, uh, my childhood bedroom window before there was a new hospital. I actually could see the uh, Ohio Stadium. Uh, so born and raised in Columbus and uh, actually graduated later in life from the law school. Awesome. So you're a Buckeye through and through is what I'm hearing. I am. I am. Although, uh, yeah, always appreciate <laughs> the ability to both be a Buckeye and a Spider. So I ended up going undergrad at University of Richmond. Oh, gotcha. Wow. Actually, I still live on King & Neal, so that's kind of funny. But <laughs> can you give us an overview of what an auditor does? And sure. more specifically about what your role as an auditor is the most important to you? Sure. So the auditor's office uh, is... A unique role in that it is an administrative function, uh, statutory prescribed in terms of the things that the office does. Uh, what we have found, though, particularly for university-age students, a lot of the functions are things you don't think about, uh, but we sum it up as we connect, protect, and reassess. So we connect uh, property owners, uh, businesses, residents of Franklin County with the various services of the office. Uh, that can range for property tax assistance, that can range from board of revision challenges, uh, but really working to make sure that residents know the office exists and want to be a resource. Uh, we protect and that the office has a number of consumer protection responsibilities ranging from dog licensure. If you're a dog owner under Ohio law, your dog is supposed to be licensed, but only dogs. We often get asked about hamsters, just dogs. <laughs> uh, but we also protect people at the pumps. So we serve as the county's weights and measures team. And then that reassessment piece. Uh, the office is required uh, pretty much in a three-year cycle to go out and create the valuation uh, for all property values. That ties in significantly uh, to taxing districts and communities uh, with the way Ohio law works itself out. So when you have that assessed value, voters determine their taxing district. That's how you get to your property tax bill. If you pay a property tax bill, you'll see a number of entities, the largest one being a local school district, uh, is how it is funded. And so again, mile-wide in terms of responsibilities uh, that are required under Ohio law for county auditors. So you guys are very much in the background, but very important to just daily life in Franklin County. We touch the lives of residents every day, whether or not they realize it or not. Um, so what about this role is what you consider like the most important thing to you? So the most important thing for us is making sure that uh, property owners are aware of those functions and making the office as accessible as possible. Anyone that's ever been to the county office building, uh, the auditor's offices are on floors 19, 20, 21. Parking's not free down there. You got to go up an elevator. You got to go through security. And so uh, our goal as a new administration, I've only served in the auditor's office for four years, is to make the office as accessible and out in the community as we can be. So we've invested in a mobile office, uh, we participate in as many community festivals, fact school fairs, uh, art festivals that we can just to make sure property owners are aware of the services that the office provides. 
And a lot of that is really closely connected to your anti-redlining campaign. So um, I'd say let's dive into that now. Um, just so everyone is on the same page, can you give us just kind of a basic definition of redlining? So redlining, uh, a term that was prescribed particularly uh, late 50s, early 60s, as banks uh, weren't providing uh, housing finance to particular neighborhoods. And the activity that, if you look at certain maps, they took a red pen and would line out certain neighborhoods. And that's where the phrase redlining comes from. It's kind of evolved to the discrepancy between neighborhoods and that you can unfortunately look at that historic action done by the banks or where those neighborhoods were designated uh, playing into a range of future factors, characteristics, health outcomes uh, that we're seeing the repercussions or, or the impact even today. Um, and can you just like elaborate a little bit on those impacts? Sure. Uh, so, the, uh, not knowing, uh, for those that are listening, how well they know Central Ohio, uh, depending where you go, maybe uh, a highway or a railroad separates uh, one neighborhood from another. You can look at the health disparities from one side of that railroad track to the other, or you, in our case, can look at the housing stock, uh, the rating of that housing, the valuation of that housing, and unfortunately see a trend and an outcome. Uh, residents that are in the areas that were intentionally not provided fa uh, funding or the same resource uh, have significantly more challenges. Their health uh, longevity, for example, is going to be less. And the only thing that separates them uh, is about 50 yards uh, of land. And so that's just uh, one of the challenges where even in an auditor's office, uh, as we reflect on kind of where we are and the functions that we provide, can we do things better to make sure that there's equity uh, and accessibility that's appropriate? Yeah, definitely. I can definitely see the effects of redlining as I like drive outside of the campus and see like the disparities between different areas of Columbus. So it's definitely something that we see in central Ohio. So was it always your plan to address this issue once you took office as an auditor? No. Um, so four years ago, uh, when we ran for the office, I was serving on Columbus City Council, uh, was pretty uh, in touch with a number of the neighborhoods, area commissions, civic associations. And one thing we had constantly heard was frustration of not feeling that when a property was reevaluated, it was being compared to appropriate like properties, that maybe it was too broad, too wide. Uh, but they felt their values were being held to a standard that was difficult to really pin down. And so the commitment was we were going to perform a uh, post-audit uh, of the last mass reappraisal, which was in 2017. Uh, when we did that performance audit, uh, the individuals that provided it started highlighting some weird trends. And in particular, that piece of Similar properties, similar characteristics, similar size, but because they're on this side of the railroad track or that side or the red line, uh, they weren't receiving the same valuations. And at the same time, those individuals weren't taking advantage of the opportunities to work with an auditor's office uh, to make sure that value is fair and equitable. So based on the results of the performance audit, some wonderful members of the office, and we talked about what could be next steps. And the question also was asked, is this because of redlining? Uh, and they said, it looks like it, but maybe worth uh, going down further analysis. And that's what led to the next steps and our partnership with the Kerwin Institute. 
Now, to my understanding, you've been utilizing many strategies to try to mitigate the effects of redlining here in Franklin County. Can you first tell us a little bit about how you're working to remove implicit bias from appraisals? So, kind of left off that, you know, we engaged the Kerwin Institute. The Kerwin Institute then approached how reappraisal with a, a racial lens has played out. And again, looking at those historically redlined neighborhoods, what role it has played, and they gave us a number of wonderful recommendations to look at systematic racism, uh, bias that may be intentional or not, and trying to put in uh, policies and procedures. Our goal in the auditor's office is fair and equitable uh, based on uh, the right characteristics, not ones that people have assumptions on. And so we've added uh, a number of trainings for the appraisers to take and, and think about uh racial discrimination in part of what they do, the racial bias piece. We've also put in a two-tier system, so where one appraiser may come back with a value, it's going to be compared to somebody else to try and, again, mitigate any unintentional bias or unintentional thoughts. Uh, and then the big piece is working directly with those property owners. Uh, we have put out into the field a neighborhood survey, taking the feedback from uh, residents directly of what they feel about those characteristics. So it's not just an outside contracted appraiser or someone in the auditor's office and their viewpoint, but us being able to hear directly from property owners as well. Those are three really big pieces that have never been done before, uh, but we feel it is going to help address some of what the current Institute and the performance audit identified as areas that we could be improving. Um, can you give us just an example of what somebody might say on one of these neighborhood surveys? Sure. I'll use my response to the neighborhood survey. So while I grew up uh, at King & Neal, I didn't move too far away. I'm two blocks uh, south from the neighborhood. So now Ohio State's my front yard uh, <laughs> instead of my backyard. Uh, but we live uh, in an area that's got a number of hospital systems, a number of parks, a number of rec centers, uh, a school close by. But when you kind of peel back some of the... Uh, layers of those pieces, how do we utilize it? Do we feel safe? Uh, is it walkable? While we have a hospital system, are we utilizing that system? It's not pediatrician friendly as a father of a nine and seven year old. So what does that role play? And so really looking at the characteristics of your neighborhood, how you view them. We have a rec center, unfortunately, does not have great programming for our family at our age. And so are we really feeling the benefit of that? An outside appraiser is just going to say, look, school, rec center, hospital, boom, 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 we're going to jump this value up where and hearing directly from a property owner, maybe putting a little better perspective of those features and how they are being utilized or not utilized across Franklin County. I have to say that's, that's an incredible idea. Um, what would you say are some of the bigger obstacles that keep historically redlined communities from seeking reappraisals? Um, if they believe that their initial appraisal is unfair or incorrect. Yeah, so the performance audit and a little bit of the Kerwin uh, reflection and areas that are a challenge is making sure that all property owners understand that they can play a role in establishing the fair and equitable value. And so certain communities, particularly high-wealth suburbs, show up at informal hearings and say, you know, auditor's office, we think your value is incorrect and this is why. Uh, they also may have access to attorneys and come down to navigate the board of revision process and engage. So the law allows for those property owners to play that role. And what we saw, though, it was not um, equal across the county. When, when you see who's participating, 
it is not reflective of the diversity of our uh, residents across Franklin County. And so the barrier, I think, is both the education piece of where there's opportunities to engage, where there's opportunities to be involved. Uh, we've tried to knock down those barriers. Uh, we partnered with Legal Aid and created a home assistance program uh, so people can work with legal aid attorneys, say, you know, this is where we think we have an opportunity uh, to get the value better. And then making sure and being very intentional that when we do have engagement opportunities, be it a board of revision and informal, we're directly in those neighborhoods as well. And so the education is always the biggest component. People are very skeptical. It's a very bureaucratic process. When you hear about the roles and responsibilities of the auditor's office being a mile wide, uh, it's hard for people to navigate. But by engaging in that piece, hopefully that means that we're not overvaluing, which is what Kerwin's, one of their takeaways is, in those primarily historically redline communities, they're actually being overvalued because they're not showing up to then argue and say, we think this is what the value should be. Uh, where, again, high-wealth neighborhoods paying a lot more for their homes, but are able to better than engage and get a valuation that may be lower than what the auditor's office started at. Awesome. Do you think that you're providing a model for the rest of the state to address the impacts of these historical redlining issues in their own communities? So we feel we're providing a model that takes a step back and understands the historical impact. Uh, we've absolutely been challenged by other counties, other auditors that question uh, what role redlining plays. They, they are, and auditors across the country are really driven by, well, what's the sale? The sale is going to determine uh, what the market rate and value should be. And, and that's okay. Uh, not trying to diminish that. A sale is an economic uh, point uh, in the transaction, but to ignore the systematic impact that redlining played the role over decades in terms of certain neighborhoods, certainly families being able to accumulate wealth off the sales of that properties it is something that I think is very important to consider, something I'm proud that our administration has leaned in. And we're looking forward as other auditors watch us implement uh, what we're doing for the 2023 mastery appraisal or new auditors come on board having discussions on where we're learning lessons and where it could be best for their community as well. Um, what work do you think still needs to be done in Franklin County? So the work in Franklin County is that engagement. Uh, being out in the field with the neighborhood survey uh, until, and the, and the joke in the office is, are we really going to go knock on all 450,000 doors? We're not, <laughs> um, but want to see more participation, want people to understand the important role that they play in the valuation. And that's not just the homeowner, that's also renters. Uh, in a short period of time, the last decade, Franklin County actually has more renters than homeowners. And so while the landlords and the property owners play a role, hearing from the renters and the impact of the features of their neighborhood and how we should be evaluating the property is important as well. And so that will constantly be a, a tough challenge to get to the numbers that we want. Uh, but we're working hard. But that is going to be ongoing all the way through uh, the reappraisal process and into the future. It, that, that work will never stop. What changes can we expect to see in Franklin County as these harmful effects are addressed? So the changes, uh, ideally, so it's twofold, and it's a little bit of a chicken and the egg. So in August of 2023, the office will put out 
uh, a tenant of value. That tenant of value is the auditor's office's recommendation of what we think the assessed value should be. With the caveat and the background that Franklin County continues to be one of the hottest real estate markets in the country, we are adding population at a significantly larger clip than we have housing for. And so our values continue to go up, up, and up. In 2020, when we did the triennial reappraisal, on average, property values went up 20%. Uh, would not be fully anticipating those percentages on average will be even higher during the mass reappraisal. And so our, our goal and challenge is then to make sure we're working with property owners to get that right valuation and continuing to advocate, well, this is what the law prescribes, this is the system, where can we do better, where can we find improvements, so people don't feel like they're going to be property taxed out of their neighborhood, but also have the right valuation in all neighborhoods across Franklin County. So I guess our final question for you, Auditor, is um, we've talked about a lot of stuff today. How is this relevant to our Ohio State um, audience? So students and young people are always one of the more fascinating individuals involved when we talk about the auditor's office. Because, again, we're touching your life, whether or not you know it, uh, with our weights and measures, uh, with a number of the connections, protections, and then the reassess piece. Uh, what I think we think the biggest takeaway for particularly younger residents is the recognition of the role the office plays in people's lives as uh, young folks are starting to figure out where they want to live, what neighborhoods they want to be in reflecting on what that neighborhood should entail. You want to see diversity of residents. You want to see diversity of ages. And you want to see a diversity of uh, programs and features. And so uh, engaging with the auditor's office on some of those pieces is important and one that I think students can play a role in as they start looking to buy or to rent, also knowing their ability to work with the auditor's office and impact uh, our evaluation or engage and ask questions. We are a very accessible office. I give out my cell phone number, 614-219-9224. Encourage people to email me, auditorstenziano at franklincountyohio.gov with any questions. Uh, even if it's not something directly in the auditor's office, we do want to be a resource. We want to be able to help out. And, and so encourage anyone that has follow-up or questions on something they make your table of what the Kerwin Institute report reflection suggestions were and now Monica is leading the charge to make sure that neighborhood survey gets into all residents' hands or, or gets feedback from all residents, but she does not want to go out and knock on 450,000 doors <laughs> to get it done. I would say that's understandable. Um, well, thank you so much for being here with us today, Auditor. Rushi, do you have anything to add? Um, no, but thank you so much for being here with us today, Auditor Cinziano. I learned so much about the Auditor's Office, and I hope that our audience will too. Thank you.